Welcome to the weekly message from Albert Park Baptist Church, a community of believers seeking to love God, love one another and love our neighbourhood right in the heart of Melbourne. We hope you find today's message inspiring. It's, a very, it's quite a privilege for me to share about prison fellowship. Ten years ago, I didn't give a rat's thought for people in prison at all. Never thought about them. And then two years later, I met a guy called David Greer, and he'd been prison visiting for about 10 years up to that time. And he said, would you like to join me in prison? And I'll pray about it. Yes, I'll pray about it. And I said yes. And so for two years, went into prison, and it was one of the most um, uplifting experiences of my life. Challenging indeed, but certainly very uplifting. Um, I'm an Anglican pastor, and uh, you wouldn't think so, probably. (laughs) I'm married to Wendy, I have three children, four grandchildren, and I love uh, movies and gardening and reading and all of those things. And it's exciting to be alive and knowing that with Jesus now and forever, it, 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 it enlarges and livens life even more. It is fantastic. Now what I want you to take into this session this morning is a, it, behind your mind almost at the back of your mind, I want you to know that all prisoners are in pain in one way or ways or another. Like we are. Whether we are conscious of our pains or not, we are all in pain and so we can identify, when I go into prison, identify with those who are in pain as well. It immediately draws myself to them. So instead of giving a rat thought to them today, I'm totally committed to their cause of restoration in Jesus Christ. A fist to the face was all Pam knew at home. She was brought up with an alcoholic father who constantly uh, berated and violated his wife, her mother, and threatened to do the same if she interfered in their bouts which she did very often. So for the first 15 years of life, all she knew was fist of the face, violence, trauma and fear. Covered in bruises and scars, she did not know what to do. Her life was filled with fear. Can you imagine that? Can you? Even for some of the time, you know, it fears like I do. Many fears. And I still have many fears. And they're tied to my angers about a lot of things. Okay. When she reached the age of 15, her life totally scuttled. She realised there's one thing she could do, and what's that? Run. Run! Yes, leave home. And she joined a gang. Now, when you think about it, it's a, a gang is a good place for someone like Pam because it means she belongs, she's protected, and she has a purpose, which is to go out and beat other people up before they beat her. Five gangs and five imprisonments later, at the age of 35, she had come to the bottom of the barrel. A real underdog, no further down to go. Now we know, don't we, and that's why you're here today, you know that that God loves to come down deep dark holes, right? And rescue people from darkness and bring them up into light, sight and insight into his life, right? Now, Pam didn't know that at that point, but on this same night, she knew all she could do was to go down on her knees in her cell, dark cell, and pray a prayer. She said, if you are real God, 
I need you to be real right now. That's a good prayer, isn't it? To ask God for something if you need it right now. Now, you might believe this, but this was her prayer. I'd like you just to close your eyes as, as you, you hear what she, what she heard when she was praying. It was like I was standing under a waterfall and everything dirty was being washed away and I was clean, really clean for the first time in my life. I am not afraid anymore. God's got my back now. Amen. So for 35 years, all she knew was torment and fear. She wanted to die, couldn't, didn't even know how to do that. 40, 35 years. And then on one night, the God we worship did that for her, brought her into a new life in Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing story? Just terrific. That's the kind of God we worship. Now, not all prisoners come to God like that with a miracle happening overnight. doesn't happen that way. But for us, this is music to the ears of prison fellowship. One day, I, walked, I was walking through the yard and there was a man at the far end and he was sitting on a seat and I slowly walked over to him. We learned that we've got to be very gentle and careful about the way we approach prisoners. We would prefer them to approach us first, but it, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. So I went over to him and he was, he was shaking and looking up like this. And I said, can I sit down with you for a moment? And he sort of nodded. So I sat down, I waited for a bit, and then I said, um, how long have you been here? Uh, two weeks. And I'm going to be here for 20 years or more. And I said, do you have children? Yeah, four. Uh, what about your wife? Oh, she died two weeks ago. Got it? And in the few seconds after that, two completely different feelings merged together in my heart. One was hatred for what he had done, absolute hatred, to murder his wife, as he did, and compassion for that man to be in his shoes. Oh, my gosh. So hatred of what he did, but love and compassion for the man. Hated what he did, loved him. And that was a principle that's guided me, not only in prisons, but in everyday life, including myself. To not have a love for myself that God has given me, but have a love for everybody else unconditionally. And love is the most exciting thing in the world, isn't it? To increase in love day by day. I was a master of political hardball able to manipulate and execute the dirty tricks that often come with the political process. Ah, oh, it was a nasty piece of work. That is something like the voice of Charles Colson. All of you, no, not all of you, some of you will remember President Nixon, United States, back in the 70s, Watergate, and he was the hatchet man for President Nixon in that huge uproar that occurred in that time. He was really the worst person on earth. 
But he came to realise he was in his car one night and his whole being just crumpled and he didn't know where he was going to go next. He knew that he had committed vast crimes that covered the whole globe at that time, that there was something wrong in his life. And as he prayed through his tears, Jesus came into his life. So he gets into the car as Nixon's man and gets out of the car as Christ's man. So God takes him by the scruff of the neck and shakes him into, into, uh, into the kingdom of heaven. And then a few months later, the Lord comes along, shakes him in the scruff of the neck and casts him into prison. And so for only eight months, amazingly, in eight months, many, many prisoners were converted through him. He uh, uh, made his autobiography, uh, Born Again, right, and started up Prison Fellowship International. Over 46 years, Prison Fellowship has reached out into 120 countries, the largest prison visiting operation in the world. And I just feel so, um, just so privileged to be a part of this operation to work on behalf of the prisoners in our world. And then during that time, when he was released, he set out to reform the whole criminal prison system. Just amazing. Right. Uh, we have a number of courses in prisons, and uh, one of them is called The Prisoner's Journey. We do a study of St Mark's Gospel over seven weeks, and prisoners are free to come if they wish to this course. At the first session, this big, oh, brawny guy covered in tattoos comes in, the most unlikely character you could imagine, although not so much in prison, and he sits down, and at the end of the session, what? This is about religion? I don't want to be have anything to do with religion. I'm off. And he's, he's off. Beginning of the second session, what does he do? He comes back. <laughs> and he brings a mate with him who's equally brawny with lots of bravado. You know, the ones with the most bravado are often the ones who are hurting most and have the softest hearts. So they don't be put off by people who look brave. So by the end of the second session, now hear this, end of the second session, he says, I've never been in a place like this where I've been loved so much before. Music to our ears again. Right? Can you imagine someone saying that? Never before. And the other guy, he didn't come to the Lord, but when he was crying and saying that, his head was on the first guy's shoulder. I'm so sorry, I couldn't take a picture of it. You're not allowed to take pictures in prison, you see. It was incredible. You know, the prisoner's journey, the incarceration rate has gone down by 65% globally. You know why? I worked, I worked it out. Well, so, no, so, someone else worked it out for me. I'm telling you that I worked it out, but I didn't really. Uh, they, met, uh, they met someone they could identify with. This someone who was despised, rejected, Betrayed, accused, arrested, tried, sentenced, punished. Who was it? They could see that Jesus was like them. Especially in the last week of his life, right, and death. They could identify with him. That Jesus understood them. And when they heard the next step, which was to invite that man into his, into his life, because he was not only, he not only killed, murdered, but he rose from the dead. And the Holy Spirit was sent to come into his life. 
So here are hundreds of prisoners in prison becoming Christians. And some of them, when they leave prison, right, they, they join our prison visitors course so they can go back into prison and introduce Jesus to fellow prisoners. Oh, I just think it's absolutely remarkable. Remarkable. Now, there are 8,000 human beings in cages in Victoria. 8,000 right now. They will wake, go to bed tonight and they'll wake up tomorrow morning in this cage. 8,000 of them. How many? 8,000. That's a lot of people, isn't it? They're human beings like us in these cages. And they are, for most of them, like cages. 90% of them are men. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised at all. I think men cause most of the world's problems. 90%. And you know, half of them will be back in prison once they've been released within two years. Huh? And 80% of them within 10 years. It's like going to a roundabout in your car and turning around, right, coming back again, and going into the same roundabout, back again. There we go. Hopeless, isn't it? Did you hear Scott Morrison or Albanese talk about the prison system in their electioneering? No, never. I sound very cynical, don't I? There's a, there's a cynical part of me and I need to get that out. But the other really significant thing is one third of people in their cages, one third of them, have not even been tried yet. And some of them can wait up to two years before they go to court to see if they're going to be convicted, to see if they're going to be found guilty or not. One third of them. It's an amazing situation. Now, my personal belief is that um, only high-risk offenders should be in prison. Only high-risk offenders, which is a, quite a tiny proportion of the total number of prisoners. We should be having trade schools and rural farms, um, literacy courses, schools for hobbies, the arts, which I'm involved in, uh, music, cookery, and who knows what else. All the things that we're entitled to, maybe to help their personal development and also to pay back to society as well. Don't have time to go into that now, but that's what I think, and I'm sure most of you would believe that as well. Now, do we have any bank robbers here today? When I hear a little sound, I think someone's guilty. <laughs> no one, you can't rob banks these days anyway, can you? Um, any uh, tax dodgers here? What? Oh, I bet there are at least half a dozen of you, half a dozen of us here today. Any liars here today? Oh, you're slow. We're all liars, aren't we? I said, I make lists. I don't know about you. I love making lists. I found 20 ways that you can lie. And most of them, I never realised that they were lies when I told them. Told them. When, when it happened, things I didn't say or should have said or didn't say properly or it was left, slight, left something out just slightly, you know, that kind of, you know, the kind of thing I mean. Okay, Mary Kay Beard, she was a bank robber and she loved to uh, a dodge tax and she was a liar. She robbed banks all over the eastern states of America for a number of years. She got involved with the mafia and she attempted to gate, uh, to not gate crash them, well, she did do that, to double cross them, and before they could murder her, 
Uh, she got arrested, convicted and sentenced to 21 years jail. How long? 21 years. I'd go crazy one week in prison. 21 years. Unbelievable, isn't it? Long, long time. In the 16th year, she was flipping through a Gideon's Bible and she came across a verse in Ezekiel, Prophet Ezekiel, chapter 36 in the Old Testament. And as you may know or may not know, Ezekiel was declaring God's promise to restore Israel after their return as exiles in Babylon. And she reads this verse, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. That's the gospel in a nutshell, right? It's a transplant from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. That is an exciting aspect in itself. That happened. So when she read that passage, she said, oh, she said, you do that for me, God, and I'll give the rest of my life back to you. It's a pretty good prayer, isn't it? Would you do that today? Sometime before you go to bed tonight? Lord, I give the rest of my life back to you from tonight onwards. I want a new level of faith, a new level of grace, a new level of love in my life. From now on, because life is absolutely precious. While she was in prison, with still six years to go, she started up this project, setting up Christmas trees in mouths all over the eastern states of America, vast numbers of them, with the gospel message on each tree, right, and the offer to shoppers for a gift of $30 for who might the money be for or the gifts be for? Prisoners? No, in this case. Prisoners' families. The children. So every Christmas we have what's called Angel Tree and 2,000 children of prisoners in Victoria and their relationships receive a gift every Christmas. Worth $30. Remarkable, isn't it, don't you think? And this is a woman, Mary Kay Beard, right, who loved robbing banks and making a lot of money for herself, now starts up this project where money is going to the children of prisoners who equally share the shame, the stigma, and the solitariness of their fathers, mostly fathers. Children do time too. The wives and the partners and the friends of prisoners do time as well as the prisoners themselves. We don't want to take time away uh, and emphasis away from the prisoners, but we do want to give emphasis to the families of them. I'll ask you a question now, and you don't have to put your hand up unless you want to. Uh, do you know a person in prison or recently released from prison who has affected your life? There's somebody over there. Okay. Not easy, huh? No, indeed. Now, you might go to Woolworths or Coles and buy a bag or a packet of biscuits like this. Right? Probably don't think too much about it. It's on your list every time you go. But when it comes to people in these cages, I tell you, their, their eyes light up. What? Bickies? Uh, for me? Uh, you're mistaken, aren't you? Isn't it for one of the officers, one of the guards? No, it's for you. I never received gifts in prison. Well, here's one for you. A pack of ten homemade biscuits. 
And every Easter, we give a pack of biscuits like this to every, every prisoner in Victoria. Not during COVID, but certainly before and since. Amazing. And they look at these biscuits. You think, oh, they gobble them up? Well, some do. But some say, no, I'm going to lay them out on a table and I'll just have one today, one tomorrow, one the next day. It's not just the bickies. It's the symbolism, right, of the bickies. What these mean, right, what, what does it mean that they give me biscuits? You guys, what are you doing in here with us? Right? Haven't you got better things to do outside? So we think it's a tremendous project. And maybe your church might like to, uh, you know, think about that. Now, anyone here know a murdered person? Mm-hmm. You don't have to say who it is. Thanks for your hand up anyway. That's good. Actually, you all do. The word's not really used in the scriptures. Jesus was murdered, wasn't he? The scriptures use the word killed, right? But when we think of the word murdered, it makes it a bit different, doesn't it? He was murdered. There are three men on a hill, hanging. And the man on the right says to the man in the middle, Well, he sort of hurls insults at him, right? And the man on the left says, who knows what he says? The thief on the left, what does he say to the man in the middle? Remember? I deserve to die. He's in effect saying, I deserve to die, but remember me... When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, Oh, you, you made your bed, you lie in it. You're a thief. Suffer the consequences of your, of your, of your thiefdom. No, he doesn't. What does Jesus say? Surely I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. Surely you will be with me in paradise. To the thief who's repenting, not on his deathbed, but on his death cross. Amazing, eh? So you put together these two things. That man's faith in the man in the middle and the grace of the man in the middle towards the thief. Faith and grace covers the ground, doesn't it? Just those two things. Well, for starters. You see, the truth that made Jesus a prisoner, which is what he was, on the cross he couldn't go up or down or sideways or front or back. Totally limited. He wasn't even in a cage. He was nailed to a, a beam, a wooden beam. So the truth that made Jesus a prisoner sets us prisoners free from all our crimes, past, present and future. Isn't that exciting? All debts paid. He foots the bill for us. Saves the day for the thief and all other human beings who come to trust Jesus forever. What a relief that is, isn't it? Would that be a word you'd use? A tremendous relief that someone else has paid for your sins. Imagine going to a restaurant and you expect to pay, right, for what you've eaten and someone says, no, forget about it. Put your wallet away, I'm paying. You know the relief that is. Oh, thank you very much. You appreciate the man and his gratefulness, right? Etc. etc. A small little thing like that. Enlarge that to the whole of your life and death and future. Wow. Is that one of the reasons why you come here on a Sunday morning? Oh, 
Now this, this is my big bad ball. This is my wrecking ball. Yes, and I've got an aisle as well. <laughs> imagine there are 10 pins at the other end of the alley. And I want you to imagine that these 10 pins are the, the things that make life really worthwhile and really satisfying. So here we go. Don't worry, I'm not going to release it. It knocks down dysfunctional family life, poor education, bad company, and peer pressure combined with that leads to drugs and drink. Add to that uh, cyclic crime in families, across families, mental damage, bad choices, genetics, personality type, and by the end, all 10 pins have been knocked down. Now, my guess is that all human beings have had some pins knocked down, right? And they haven't been put up into the alley yet. They never be. You go home and think about the pin, your, say, two or three pins that have been knocked down in your life. Loss of a job, death of someone in the family, whatever it might be. Now, what we want to do in prison fellowship is to put the pins back up after what is really a heady mix of uh, disadvantages in life. Can you imagine, at a table, the murderer sits on one side, he's a murderer, one side, and the victims of the murder on the other side of the table. They're doing that these days. Doesn't always work, I should say. Right? But when it does, it's very satisfying that there is forgiveness across that table. And the prisoner can see the damage that he has done when otherwise he'll do everything he can to deny any kind of blame for what he or she has done. That's one thing. Now another one is forgiveness. Oh, what's forgiveness? Oh, grace. What's grace? Oh, love. What's love? Do you know, a lot of prisoners have never heard of those words. You say you can be forgiven. But what's forgiveness? Like if I were to ask you, what's the meaning of woke, which is incredibly uh, influential today, many of you will not know what it was, and it took me a long time to get to know what it is, what it means, because there are a lot of other meanings for it, and it's a bit elusive. I'm not going to tell you now. No time. But you think of all those words that we take for granted that make up our faith, why we worship God and Jesus, right? Well, these prisoners don't even know the meaning of basic words. For many of them, it's just the F word. Oh, no, no, again. This beautiful English language, teaching them language, that's another, another pin to put up. Fair enough? Another would be uh, anger management, or a big one. I'm assuming that everybody in the Western world, at least, is angry about a lot of things. How we manage that anger is a very important way to go about because Jesus says, don't let your anger go down, don't, don't let it set uh, with the sun, the setting of the sun. So anger management, prisoners are angry, a lot of them are very, very angry. And I can identify with some of the things they share. Uh, developing good character traits, friendship, and there are many, many others, there are many more than 10 pins to put back up again. But the most important one is receiving Jesus Christ into their hearts. And when that happens, that's cause for tremendous joy. And to see their faces light up over many periods of weeks and months, to see the difference that he makes in their lives. 
And some of them vow that when they get out, they're, they're going to do better than they did in. They're going to treat their own fellow prisoners differently, and so on and so on and so on. So there we go. That's good. Now, oh, yes. Here we are. Will I? Yes, I will. <laughs> Broken pieces of a vase. Have any of you heard of Kintsugi? Kintsugi is uh, the Japanese, oh, Japan's been in the news lately, the Japanese art of golden joinery. When something is broken, they don't just throw it in the rubbish bin. We throw lots of stuff in rubbish bins, don't we? Right? Um, but they don't do that. They put the pieces back together using a golden glue, go with the, a golden powder mixed in the glue, and they use, uh, use the broken pieces and that glue to put them back together again so the damages are not hidden. And when people view the vase completed, right, they see that the broken pieces have been healed to make a new vase which is more beautiful than it was before. Isn't there something about a potter in the Old Testament? Jesus the potter, putting us back together again? I have, there's no sin I've never committed, let me tell you. But I look at this vase and say, Ian, God says, Ian, you are like this vase and one day you will be complete again and I'll still see those, uh, still see those damaged parts and the pieces, but I can look at the vase and say, I don't have to hide how I've been damaged because God accepts me and uses those damaged parts of me for out of his love. That changes the way I see everything. It puts a new frame on the way I view people and everything that goes on in the world. It's wonderful. Now, very quickly moving on. Okay. Um, we, we also have a ministry to mainly older people when they come out of prison. We find out the days when they come out and we meet them there and we're with them for 24 hours, go to a bank, have a coffee, perhaps meet members of the family and so on, introduce them to a church. And that's not a very optimistic possibility. Very few churches will take ex-prisoners. So we're with them for a whole day and then we, we catch up with them over the next year as well. So we're not just with them in prison, we're with them as they come out as well. Also, we have a children's uh, holiday camp every, uh, every year, September, though they're being narrowed down now to, uh, well, not narrowed, we're going to have a number of smaller camps for children uh, and, uh, yeah, instead of the one big one. And just to give you a, a, an inkling of what it's like, when they go on a bus, many of them have never been on a bus before, these children, and they're very apprehensive. The, the bus is very, very quiet. You know, they're, where, are the, where are we going, miss? Where are we going? Anyway, that's before the camp. After the camp, oh, yes, that was a great camp. Can we, can we go come back again next year, next year? Because they've never been to a camp before. Let's imagine all the things they've never known before. No Christmas cards or anything like that in their lives. So camps, we believe in the children of, of, of people, of um, people, of prisoners. And the third one is sports. We engage in a lot of sports with prisoners in all sorts of different ways, especially ones where they can be released from prison for a time. Netball, basketball, footy, all those. We've got teams of people who do that as well. Okay, now. There are lots of other cages up there, not just, not just well, what used to be Pentridge, 
not just the Melbourne Assessment Prison, but any of the 14, 15 others, including the one women's prison, right? cages, uh, casinos, uh, cages to me. Some people in hospital beds for long periods of time, beds smaller than prisoners' cells, battered women in their homes, their cages, and so we could go on and on and on. Parliament. Think about that one. Is that a prison? Is that a cage? What about any addiction you might have? It's a cage. Unresolved grief. Unresolved um, shyness. I'm a pretty shy person, I've got over it. <coughs> but shyness, not, res not reserved, that's different. But shyness is a social disease. Seems harmless. Shy people often don't recognise their shyness, they don't realise it. Shyness to me is a social disease. Uh, bitterness of any kind, anything you have against any other person that you're aware of is a prison until you deal with it. Unresolved guilt about something. Anxiety, I'm a bit of a worry wart, it's something I have to deal with. Worry wart takes a lot of power and energy out of me. I left Kilsyth this morning in plenty of time, but I was, thought I wouldn't make it in time because, you know, down Turak Road, everything's 40 k's per hour, even on a Sunday. At 12 red lights in a row, and all that. Then I get worried. And I didn't, I was coming here, and I thought, oh no, this is not a good preparation for this. Anyway, I did pray in the end. I said, Lord, you know I'm a worry more. Please help me to deal with this and give me more faith in you and a resolve in my heart to let things go. Mm. So there we are. Okay, so rabbit holes, carrying our prisons around with us. So in the end, when we go into prisons, we go in for friendship. Friendship. Do you have any friends? Some people don't have, I know people who don't have any friends. They have their spouses and family, but they don't have any friends. Well, I think friends are wonderful. If you foster them well, they can be a terrific ally and pleasure in our lives. So we go into prisons and we, I'll use this hand, I think. Can we be friends? Yes. He says yes. yes. Right, good. We can talk again. Tell me whatever you want, okay? Right. Can we be friends? Can we be friends? I'm a prison, isn't it? system is a very unique system. It is very uh, 
bureaucratic and very hierarchical. Everything in its place, right? Which you have to do if you have people who are in prison, people who are in prison, of, of which some are not um, guilty. And outside of prison, a lot of people who are guilty, not in prison, right? More criminals, many more criminals, not in prison than in. That's a fact of life. Okay. So we have to deal, when we go in, we need the permission of Corrections Victoria, and that varies from place to place. But when we can get in and they support us, it's a, they're a wonderful ally. So through uh, uh, accepting the routines and the stringencies of being in prison, through uh, compliance, godly wisdom, a non-proselytising approach. We don't talk about Jesus unless they ask us. And sooner or later, many of them do that. We work creatively within the limitations, okay, in order to achieve the best outcomes. That's basically it. So, to finish, why you to consider, and what's here is also out there under the television, you may be interested in finding out about what it means to be a prison volunteer. Just find out about it. It means some training, and it means going to prison with one other person, not by yourself. Or if you want a, a prayer diary, because prayer is very important for our work, as you might understand. Or if you want to receive our uh, newsletter, set free. Wonderful paper. Then, we have a book called Why Forgive? is a story of 30 transformed lives of prisoners and ex-prisoners. Wonderful stories. And you can have one of these for free if you just put a donation in the box, okay? A coin or whatever. Love you to read it, but you've got to promise to read it or give it to someone else to read. Is that fair enough? All right. Okay, why forgive? And one of these sums up all we do. Okay, take one of those with you. And if you want to give a donation, this will be under the television in the other room. So let me finish on this note. I was at a funeral recently with my wife and before the funeral, a guy got out of the car in his car park and I went over to him and I said, oh, I love your tie. Love your tie. I, I like to compliment people on what they wear and other things about them that are appropriate. And he said, oh, thank you very much. After the funeral, which was about a man who was incredibly, incredibly generous man, right? This man who was wearing that tie came up and he said, it's yours. I wasn't asking for the tie, I was only complimenting him. But I didn't say you shouldn't have. I didn't say that, I said thank you very much. It made me realise if you put the three G's together, generous, grateful and gracious. If, you, if those three things are dominant in your life, gener generous, um, almost forget the third one, generous, grateful and gracious, right? People will be drawn to you and they'll ask you why are you like you are. Sometimes they will. Okay. So remember this tie. You might not like this tie, it's a bit of a gaudy one for some people, but I love this tie. I just really love it. Okay. Alright, so there we are. Finish up then with this message will not self-destruct. Okay? And there is certainly no silver bullet bullet, that's for sure, to solve the problems or even deal with the problems that we're facing. 
We only touch the surface at the moment. And anyone else speaking about this word, apart from me, will give it quite a different story. Uh, quite a different story. So I uh, finish on this particular note in um, the Acts of yes, in the Acts of the Apostles. If I can find the particular verse. In, um, in Acts, Acts chapter 12, verse 5, you may know, remember that Peter's in prison, right? Peter's in prison. And the most important thing that the writer tells us, Luke, tells us about this incident is that the church was engaging in earnest prayer for Peter. Earnest prayer, or another way of putting it, strenuously praying okay, for Peter in prison. And of course it had its good effect. So I want to finish on that note that prayer is a really important part of our work and I want to thank you for being a really attentive audience this morning and I think you've learned a lot, haven't you? Maybe more than you have in the rest of your life put together. That's how, that's how it was for me and for the rest of your life to come. So um, I hope it's been helpful. Please come up afterwards over the morning tea, ask any, uh, any questions. Uh, share an experience that you have, whatever, okay? I'm a very approachable person, okay? I'm not going to scare you off or negate you in any way. Feel free about that. I can stay for quite a while. All right, so thank you very much for your attention and um, I hope you can respond. If today's message evoked anything in you and you'd like to talk or pray with one of our pastors, please get in touch by phone or email. All of our details can be found at albertpark.org.au. We worship together in person 10am every Sunday at 115 Kerford Road, Albert Park. All are welcome. We look forward to seeing you soon.